from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're all doing well this morning on Wednesday, October 10th, and enjoying life. As you can hear in my voice, I'm sure you can hear a little bit different. It sounds different to me. I have uh, I usually get attacked in the fall by some type of sinus thing. So, uh, hence why we're starting a few minutes back here this morning, and uh, I apologize for that. So, we are here, we're on the broadcast, we're having some fun. I'm trying to kick out this <laughs> wonderful feeling that I have inside right now, and uh, hopefully that's something that we will be able to uh, take care of here. So, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If anybody's feeling a little bit under the weather sinuses bothering you, whatever's going on, I hope you get better as well. Please be good to yourselves and uh, please be good to each other and and kind to one another. So it's uh, <clears throat> it's not it's not fun by any stretch of the imagination to get hit by these uh, these wonderful sinuses. So with that being said, let's hop into the morning menu. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's get into it. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. In today's morning menu for Wednesday, October 10th of the great year 2018, we are going to be discussing on today's show, in the first hour of the show, we're going to spend time with the NFL. I told you yesterday when we did On the Prowl that we would get into NFL coverage and start talking about what happened in week five, and we had a lot on yesterday's show, which you can always go back and listen to by going to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. With over a thousand broadcasts, you can also go to TuneIn Radio and search Wake Up Call, or you can just go to wakeupcalldt.com. And click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, or TuneIn Radio. All of the all of the logos are right there on the homepage of WakeUpCallDT.com, and they will take you directly to all of my coverage, so you could do that as well. Make it easy for yourself to check out the show. And with that being said, in the first hour of today's show, as we tried to get to yesterday, we will be discussing Week 5 in the NFL, which includes... Breeze setting a record, the Bills and the Browns squeaking out wins, Pat Mahomes throwing his first interception, times two, Dolphins as pretenders, Bengals contenders with a question mark, Crosby misses four field goals and an extra point in Detroit, Green Bay could lose to Detroit at Ford Field? No, it couldn't happen, could it? Johnny was there, maybe that's why it happened. I told him God's looking over him, and in this game, Mason Crosby indoors misses five kicks in the game and so much more. We're going to be talking about that in the first hour of today's broadcast, so make sure you're tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. We're going to do plenty of NFL coverage, including those stories first, 
And then in the second hour of the show, we are going to go back on the prowl as there's been another addition to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a few additions to the Jaguars, one of them with a pretty big name in history. He's played 10 years in the NFL, and he is now a Jacksonville Jaguar, that being Jamal Charles. He was signed after the show yesterday. There was conversation about him during the show, and he ultimately signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you'll hear about that in the second hour of the show. We'll go back on the prowl. We usually do that every Monday with the holiday. We did it on Tuesday. But now that Jamal Charles is a Jaguar, we're going to go back on the prowl again this morning and talk about that. And then to round out today's show in the final half hour of the show at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll be speaking about the unbeaten FBS college football programs which are West Virginia, Central Florida, Colorado, South Florida, Cincinnati, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, NC State, Georgia, and Clemson. We'll give our thoughts on each of those, and you'll hear what I have to say about that with the unbeatens left, as well as the rankers and so much more. So plenty of football coming your way, and we're going to start off with the NFL on today's broadcast. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. And if I sound a little bit different, again, the allergies have run amok. (laughs) So if I sound a little bit different, then uh, please bear with me on this. And uh, we'll do, we'll get through it. You know, I'm going to get better. You're going to get better. If you're feeling under the weather, if you know somebody who is, you know, prayers and love being sent out your way, because the fall is usually when I feel not the greatest. So I'm hoping to kick this out. So I hope you are doing well, and I hope everybody that you love is doing well as well. So with that being said, let's hop into the NFL, and we're going to start in order of the conversations that I had. So Drew Brees, first and foremost, consummate professional. I don't know Drew Brees, you know, personally. I've covered games that he's been at. You know, I've, I've been in the hallways of stadiums where he's doing his press conference. I've been right there. And Drew Brees is just, he does. He seems like a very special individual. And just what he has been able to do has been tremendous. Now, Peyton Manning put out something to congratulate him. He said, Drew, for a thousand days, I've held the record for all-time passing yards in the NFL. I've got to tell you, it's been the greatest a thousand days in my life. Thanks to you, that's over now, and you've ruined that for me. So thank you very much. I have nothing left to look forward to except slicing my tomatoes, making dinner for my family, putting together this wedge salad. Also, let this serve as the congratulations for the touchdown record, end quote. So kind of cool from Peyton Manning to have some fun with him. He said, as you can see, I'm very busy. I don't have time to keep doing these videos for you, congratulating you. But in all seriousness, Drew, congratulations on this record. You've done it the right way. All your dedication and hard work have paid off. You have come a long way since this picture back in 2000 when you were in college and I was in my third year in the NFL. So way to go. Proud of you. Good luck the rest of the way. End quote. Breeze is 39 years old. He's 41 touchdown passes away from breaking Manning's mark in in that category as well for most passing touchdowns ever. So he's close to breaking that. I don't think it's out of the question that he can. And he now is the all-time career leader in passing yards ever in the NFL. And he's tremendous. 
39 years old. Here's the thing that, that means a lot to me before he broke this record. At 39 years old, Drew Brees had his highest completion percentage in his NFL career. For all the years that he's played in the NFL, last year, in his late 30s, almost 40 years old, he had his highest completion percentage. At over 70%. And to me, that's tremendous. That somebody, you know, he's a fine wine. He's gotten better with time. He has consistently become somehow a better player, you know. Now, he has weapons, but he's found a way. He's found a way to be relevant in the NFL. He's found a way to keep his job. And God bless him. Drew Brees has been something special. And whether you're a Saints fan or not, you have to agree with yourself that Drew Brees is one of the greats. Career leader in passing yards, and he's a Super Bowl champion. So he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Definitely a Hall of Famer. Now, he started his career back in 2001 for San Diego. He played in one game. Then after that, in 2002... He played in all 16 regular season games and started. Then he played in 11, started in all 11, then 15, then 16, 16, 16, 16, 15, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, since 2002, 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 which was 16 years ago. But... He's played in almost every single game, every single year. God bless him. He's been healthy. And that's a huge part of all of this is that, yeah, he just broke the record for career passing yards. Yeah, he's on his way of breaking the record for career passing touchdowns. But he has been healthy throughout his career. And, I, and I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. When he... And Philip Rivers were up for the job in San Diego. They made a choice. And San Diego chose to keep Philip Rivers. Now, Philip Rivers is not a bad quarterback. So don't take this as a bashing of Philip Rivers by any stretch of the imagination when I say this. I stood in front of the TV back when they made that decision. I stood in front of the television and I said to myself, Actually, I said it out loud. I said, San Diego picked the wrong guy. I said, did San Diego pick the wrong guy? I stood in front of the TV and I said, I think so. Drew Brees went on to win a Super Bowl and has gone on to be one of the greatest passing quarterbacks of our generation and maybe of all time. When we go back and we look at his statistics, because it's important when I make a statement like that, that he's he's one of the greats. If we look at all-time quarterback stats in the NFL, Drew Brees has thrown for 72,103 yards. Behind him is Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, John Elway, and Warren Moon in that order. The top 20 to go to 11 is Fran Tarkenton, Carson Palmer, 
Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, Matt Ryan, Dan Fouts, Kerry Collins, believe it or not, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, and Aaron Rodgers. Joe Montana, who everybody, you know, you look back on Joe Montana, he's one of the greatest, right? He's number 18 on the list in passing yards. He threw for 40,551. Drew Brees has thrown for 72,000. And again, we talk about longevity. Health is very important. In passing completion, Drew Brees is first. 6,370 completions. Behind him is Brett Favre with 6,300. Then Peyton Manning. Then Tom Brady, who has 5,750. Dan Marino, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rogers, John Elway, Warren Moon. It's it's more of the same, more or less, from there. Joe Flacco goes into the top 20. Aaron Rodgers is 19. Dan Fouts drops to 20. So Drew Brees, over 6,300 completions. Passing touchdowns, Peyton Manning has 539. Brett Favre has 508. Brady has 500. Brees, 499. So he's right there in all of these, all time, in active and non-active players. And this man will be a Hall of Famer without question. And it's special because he has done it the right way. You never hear about Drew Brees in trouble. You never hear about he's this, he's that, he's a bad guy, he doesn't, you know, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. He goes to work, he does what he needs to do, and he's successful. He finds success. Now, in interceptions, this is important. Breeze, not number one in this category, in interceptions, you know, that's something that you stay away from. Because quarterback interceptions, you know, as much as Brett Favre was special in a lot of different areas as a quarterback... He also threw a lot of interceptions. And when we go back and we look at the numbers on that, Brett Favre is first with 336. Then George Blanda. Then John Haddle. Then Vinny Testaverde. Then Fran Tarkenton. Then Norm Sneed. Johnny Unitas. Dan Marino. Peyton Manning. Y.A. Tittle. Jim Hart, Bob Lane, Dan Fouts, Warren Moon, Eli Manning, and number 16 is Drew Brees with 228. So, he has 228 interceptions to 499 touchdowns. 228 interceptions to 499 touchdowns. Not too shabby. That's 271 more touchdowns than interceptions. More than double. So he's not an interception machine. He makes good decisions. And he's thrown to different receivers all throughout his career. They haven't stayed the same for more than a few years, depending on who it is. There's nobody on the team now that he's had for a decade. Nobody that's the guy that he can rely on every single year. His running backs have changed. His offensive staff has changed that's coaching him. 
Sean Payton's been there, but Doug Marone used to be there. So the staff has changed, the personnel has changed, yet he has only gotten better. He's only done better. And shout out to Tim Lester, because when Lester was in Purdue, he got to spend some time with Drew Brees. So shout out to that moment for him. Special career for Drew Brees. He started off his career throwing 55% completion, only one game. Then he went to 60% as a starter, 57, 65, 64, 64, 67, 65, 70 back in 2009, 10, 68, 71, 63, 68, 69, 68, 70, 72 last season, which I said was his best. This season, in five games, he has got he is at his best. He is completing 77.9% of his passes. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Everybody talking about Pat Mahomes went four games with 14 touchdowns and no picks. Drew Brees has gone five games with 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. And by the way, Drew Brees and the Saints, they're 5-0. and up. And when we go back and we look at the Saints' schedule and where the team is at right now, pretty special. Pardon me, they're 4-1. They're 4-1. Pardon me on that. They lost to the Bucks in the first game, which was very uncharacteristic. I mean, the NFC South doesn't typically play defense, but when we look at the victories that they've had, they squeaked one out against the Browns 21-18. They played the Falcons 43-37, and it seems like when they play in division, that's when, that's when the scores run up. You know, we do fantasy football advice in the Fantasy Football Power Hour every Thursday with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT, And we talk about all of this information. And one of the things that we could tell you is when the NFC South plays each other, when the, the Panthers play the Saints, when the Bucks play the Falcons, when the Falcons play the Saints, when the Panthers play the Bucks, and so on and so forth, when these four teams play each other, the chances of a high-scoring game are great, and the opportunity for you to score points thus is very great. So when you look at this and you look at these games, you say, okay, well, the Bucks game was 48-40 in a loss. The Falcons game was 43-37 in a win. But then they play the Browns, allow 18 points. They play the Giants, allow 18 points. They play the Redskins, allow 19 points. So the Saints won a Super Bowl. When they had, and I said this, I said, the Saints have the offense. They have the offense. They have Drew Brees. All they need is a defense that's above average. Even if it's a little bit above mediocre, they can win a Super Bowl. And back then against Peyton Manning, they made it happen. Well, now here we are. And the defense in three out of four wins has allowed under 20 points while the offense has scored at least 20, if not more. So this year, if the defense can do this and they can squeak out these games that they have to play in division that are very difficult, then the New Orleans Saints have a shot because Philadelphia is down some. And not only is Philadelphia down some, but when you look at the rest of the NFC – there's other teams in the now. 
the Rams are going to be a threat. But if the if the Saints are in a shootout, the Saints can play a shootout. They can play in a shootout. The Cowboys aren't a threat. The Giants aren't a threat. The Eagles have gone down some. The Redskins are not truly a threat. The Bears defensively, offensively, it's like, what's your identity? The Lions, I wouldn't consider them a giant threat to the Saints. The Packers are struggling. The Vikings could be a threat to the Saints. The Falcons, individuals, I don't see them as a threat. There's, I don't see them as a threat. There's, I don't see them as a threat. There's, I don't see them as a threat. The Bucks, I know that they lost to them, but I don't see the Bucks as ultimately a playoff team, so I don't see them as a threat. I don't see the Cardinals as a threat. I don't see the Niners without Garoppolo as a threat. I don't see the Seahawks as a threat. So really, the threats to the Saints in the NFC are the Rams, maybe the Eagles, the Vikings, and then maybe somebody else from the NFC North. So out of out of fifteen other teams, besides the Saints in the NFC, I see one, two, three, maybe a third, maybe a third, maybe a little bit under a third. But again, the Saints can score. If somebody wants to run up the tally, the Saints will play that game all day. And why not? Why not? The Saints can score the ball. So if anybody's going to try and run them, they can run. They can run with anybody. Because they have Drew Brees. And by the way, we get to see a nice little treat on November 4th, and I hope you're watching. This game will be on Fox at 425 p.m. Eastern Time, where the Saints will play at home against the Los Angeles Rams. That is their biggest threat. In my opinion, if, if this... If, if we were talking Super Bowl right now, that's their biggest threat, the Rams. Rams might be everybody's biggest threat right now. There's something special to be said about that. Drew Brees has been healthy. He has found longevity, and he continues to move forward. He's healthy, which has allowed him to play. His completion percentage is only going up he's only getting better he's making good reads and some people are oh, he's throwing a two-yard pass and a five-yard pass and a six-yard pass well Tom Brady does it nobody says boo that's the thing if you're going to say if you're going to say well Drew Brees numbers aren't great because X then you can't hold that for Tom Brady you can't say Tom Brady throws two-yard passes but he's a genius and then say well you know that's also what Drew Brees does, and so his completion percentage looks higher. He's completing passes, getting the ball. Down. This is how I look at it. He's a quarterback who's completing passes pretty at almost 40 years old. He's in almost two decades in the NFL. He's still completing passes to new receivers that he didn't have five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago. He's completing passes. He's finding who he has. Yes, his his running backs have gotten better. Mark Ingram is back, and Alvin Kamara has been special. Ted Ginn is timeless and can do a little bit of everything. But this is how I see it. Control what you can control. Your job as a quarterback is to complete passes and get the ball down the field, correct? That's exactly what he does. So for me, when it comes to Drew Brees, I'm not going to knock him for anything. I don't care if he throws two-yard passes all day. Is he winning? 
Is he moving the ball? Then shout out to him. Then shout out to him. And FYI, the man who some people want to say is has such a high completion percentage because he only throws the ball short, he broke the career passing record by throwing a 62-yard bomb down the field. That's how he broke the record. I'm watching the play in the studio right now. He's got Kamara in the backfield. He's in the shotgun. Hikes the ball. Drops back. And launches the ball down the field. And there's that touchdown. Broke the record right there. Drew Brees. 60-yard touchdown. Did he throw it all the way down the field? 62 yards? No. But the majority of it right here. He looks over, beams it, there it is, down the sideline, touchdown. <laughs> Special. It wasn't a two-yard pass. It wasn't a four-yard pass. It wasn't a six-yard pass. It was special. And another thing before I, I conclude with Drew Brees, the Drew Brees, the Brees Dream Foundation I want to show some love to this. The mission statement, improving the quality of life for cancer patients and provide care, education, and opportunities for children and families in need. More than $25 million contributed. He's partnered with Wrangler, Monster, not Monster Energy, different, Nike, So So Delicious, Pepsi, P&G, TRX, Penta, Verizon and Advocare. <clears throat> he has the Amazing Race Tim McGraw concert coming up. The Amazing Race Experience Raffle and the second annual Breeze Top Golf Challenge. There's over 2 million followers on their Twitter feed. So he's not just doing good things on the field. He's doing great things off the field. It was founded in 2003 and is a reliable source of charitable funding globally. Their mission is to improve the quality of life for cancer patients and provide care, as I said, education and opportunities for children and families in need. Since our inception 12 years ago, we've contributed over $25 million to charitable causes globally. We would not be where we are today without the endless support from our many partnerships and from those who donate to our cause daily. For that, we would like to personally thank you all who have donated your time, money, and effort into making the Breeze Dream Foundation what it is today. It's just special. Recipients of the charitable fund from the Breeze Foundation, Dream Foundation, include Volunteers of America, NOLA Sport Quarter, Boys and Girls Club of Southeast, Louisiana Fire, Accrual AJEs, Tulane Athletics, Teach for America, Kaboom, KIPP New Orleans Incorporated Quarterback Club, St. Michael Special School Quarterback Club, Convoy of Hope, Osner Clinic Foundation, and the Ninth Ward Field of Dreams. 
Drew Brees doing very special things. And God bless him. To get to the rest of the NFL and some other things that have happened in week five that were very special, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, you're listening on MixLR.com backslash DT for free. You can become a member by going to MixLR.com backslash DT, Clicking on follow takes just a few seconds to become a member, and membership has its privileges. You get the opportunity to chat with me in the live chat room every live show. And you also will be emailed when the show goes live every time. So as soon as we click live, you will hear the show by clicking on your email. I go live and all my members get sent an email, wake up call is now live. Would you like to listen? They open up their email, they click to listen, and it takes you to the live stream wherever you are, whatever device you're on, anywhere in the world. So make sure that you become a member. The Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns squeaked out wins this time around as well. Something pretty special here. The Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns getting dubs and getting dubs with their rookie quarterbacks, which I think is pretty cool. Now, every rookie quarterback, for the most part, I mean, every rookie quarterback that was drafted in the first round has started except for one at this point. They have all started except for one of everybody that was drafted. Pretty special. We have seen the... Josh Rosen start for the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen Josh Allen start for the Buffalo Bills. Sam Darnold from day one with the New York Jets. And Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns have all started. Outside of that, we've seen Lamar Jackson play, but he has not started. He's run the ball, uh, pardon me, he's he's passed the ball five times, completed one pass, and he's run the ball 16 times for 72 yards. So they're getting him on the field somehow, some way. So every quarterback drafted in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft has played this season, from Lamar Jackson to Josh Rosen to Josh Allen to Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold. And four out of five are starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Baker with Cleveland. Josh Rosen with Arizona, Josh Allen with Buffalo, Sam with the New York Jets. And the Cleveland Browns right now are 2-2-1. They don't have a losing record. They are 2-2-1 as of right now. And when you look at the Cleveland Browns and what they were able to do in their most recent game, they played the Ravens. And they won the game 12-9. to Baker Mayfield was 25-43 of for 342 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. Nick Chubb was quiet, three carries for two yards. Carlos Hyde, 17 carries for 63. He continues to be the dominant ball carrier. Chubb seems to get a few opportunities, and Duke Johnson a few himself, and then Carlos Hyde doing his thing. Jarvis Landry is the leading Receiver that was tied with tight end David Njoku for yards, 69 yards apiece. Landry on five catches and Njoku on six. They were the top targeted players by far by Baker Mayfield. Njoku was targeted 11 times. Landry was targeted 10 times in the game. So as far as that goes for Cleveland, they've been able to get it done, do some good things. Denzel Ward had an interception in this game to take back possession after Baker gave it up to Tavon Young, so equal things out there. Jabril Peppers 
has been their punt return, man. Didn't get too far. Three punt returns for 23 yards in the game. Lamar Jackson did come in to try a pass and income and had one incompletion. That was it. He did run the ball three times for 10 yards in the game. The game was in Cleveland, and it was all – at the end of the day, it was <laughs> – here's the thing that's crazy. They went into another overtime game, and they weren't all field goals in this game. Just so everybody knows, they weren't all field goals. Justin Tucker started off the game, kicked a field goal for Baltimore. Then Rashard Higgins, who has been a target for Baker Mayfield in scoring, he got a touchdown, but they missed the extra point. So then Greg Joseph, who is their new kicker, they had already fired one kicker this year. He missed an extra point, but he did kick a field goal. And the team went up 9-3. Tucker brought him to 9-6 for Baltimore. And in the fourth quarter, Cleveland did not score. And with 52 seconds left, Justin Tucker kicked a 32-yarder through the uprights to go 9-9. And in overtime, Greg Joseph, in sudden death, hit a 37-yard field goal, which won the game for Cleveland 12-9. So Cleveland's been in a couple overtime games with Baker Mayfield, who's now 1-1 in overtime, and was able to squeak out the victory here to grind out a win. Now that shows something, shows some gumption, shows, shows some fight, shows some dog in Baker Mayfield. Because this wasn't a crazy offensive game. This wasn't, you know, a game where he's going up and down the field doing this, that, and the other. This was a tight game in division, and he won it. And the Baltimore Ravens are not too shabby this year. They were 3-1 and one coming into the game. Now they're 3-2. and two. So the Browns at 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. If the Browns are to win a game, the Ravens are to lose their next game. Now all of a sudden the Ravens are 3-3. Three and three. The Browns are 3-2-1. and one, And the Browns will jump the Ravens in the standings of the AFC North. The other team that squeaked went out with a, with a rookie quarterback by one point in regulation for this game were the Bills and the Titans. The Bills getting the victory over the Titans. Josh Allen only threw 19 passes in the game. They ran 43 times, threw the ball 19 times in a very, very non-offensive game, which is what the Titans like to play. And the Titans played the, this cat-and-mouse game against the Jaguars in Jacksonville and found a way to win 9-6. to They tried it up against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, and Buffalo bested them 13-12 to in this game. Marcus Mariota only threw 26 times. They ran the ball 25 times. Put that together. That's 51 offensive plays. To put it into perspective, Tennessee had 51 offensive plays against Buffalo in Week 5. Blake Bortles threw the ball by himself 61 times. So Bortles ran more offensive plays passing the ball, irregardless of running the ball. He ran more pass attempts than the entire offense of Tennessee against Buffalo. Insane. And he was one shy away from equaling all of Buffalo's offense, who only ran 62 plays. That's why I said the opportunity to make a mistake when you're thrown 61 times. He, Blake Bortles passed more times than Tennessee ran offensive plays. Insane. Two offenses that can't get up and down the field, but somebody had to win the game, right? And shout-out to Matt Milano, who I covered when he was at Boston College under Steve Adazio. He had 10 total tackles, 7 solo in the game, 1 tackle for a loss to lead the Buffalo defense. Awesome. Teron Johnson had an interception for Buffalo. Adderi Jackson had one for Tennessee. So interceptions traded back and forth. 
Neither quarterback threw a touchdown. Marcus Mariota had 129 yards on 14 completions and 26 attempts. Josh Allen had 10 completions on 19 attempts for 82 yards. It was an ugly game that Buffalo squeaked out, and this is how they did it. Josh Allen had a 14-yard touchdown run to start off the game. Fans go crazy in Buffalo. Josh Allen's home. They just recently beat Minnesota. This is a great game. Then Ryan Suckup hits two field goals. It's 7-6. to six. Steven Hauschka hits a field goal in the third quarter. It's 10-6 to six in favor of Buffalo. Then Suckup hits back-to-back field goals. Now Buffalo's down for the first time in the game, 12-10. to 10. And with no time remaining, Steven Hauschka, who I don't understand why Seattle let him go, kicks a field goal from 46 yards away outside at New Era, you know, the New Era Field in Buffalo. Boots it through, 13-12, win the game. Ugly offense. And after all of that, what's the news that comes out yesterday? Derek Anderson, who played for the Carolina Panthers, also played for the Cleveland Browns and I believe the Arizona Cardinals, he is going to be on the team now. He is now the backup quarterback to Josh Allen. Now, could he push Allen? Could he oust <coughs> Allen? We shall see. But he's going to be there. Now, he has been a starter. He had stepped in for Cam Newton most recently, and he has the opportunity to play moving forward, potentially, if things go awry with Josh Allen. Now, the way I look at Josh Allen's like this, because and, and I want to read your thoughts because there were a bunch of you Buffalo Bills fans that weighed in on this. So I want to get to that right now on Facebook, on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. If you want to leave comments and speak with me, Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. So I had put out the statements, the Buffalo Bills have signed quarterback Derek Anderson following the week five game. He has 60 touchdowns and 60 interceptions for his career, literally snake eyes. His career completion percentage is 54.1% in 76 games played over 12 years. He started 47 of the 76 games he played in 12 years. Justin said, as long as he's there to provide veteran leadership and mentor Josh Allen, I think it's a good move. If he will quote-unquote compete for the starting job, why even draft Allen? Now, I wrote back to him, that line has to get better to preserve Allen for the long haul. This could be a move to protect Allen. Justin said, I agree the line has to improve drastically, but at this point, if you pull Allen, I feel you are hurting his confidence and growth. Why not keep a guy like McCarron? My response to Justin, who's been a longtime listener, and I appreciate him very much, I said, I have never understood the A.J. McCarron signing during the offseason and then letting him go before the season started. You trade to get A.J. McCarron from Cincinnati. Or I'm, party, I'm sorry, he became a free agent. So you pick up A.J. McCarron, who's been behind Andy Dalton forever and a day. He wants to go somewhere where he can start and show what he's worth. He comes into camp. You say he's not good enough. You drop him before the season even starts. You don't even let him have a game. You ship him off to Oakland. I never understood that. I also said I'm concerned for the safety of Allen if that line doesn't improve. He can be hit a lot, which could affect his future. And Justin said... I did think he was the most polished and ready quarterback they had, though. Without any injuries, why wait until week five or six, though, to sign a veteran? To which my response is, Buffalo's made a lot of decisions that I don't understand. Seriously. They've made a ton of decisions I don't understand. 
they had Richie Incognito, who seems to have a lot of mental. He just doesn't seem like a good locker room fit for anybody. And he was your option. And who? And he retired, and then he wanted to play football, and yada yada. And then he's not there. And then the offensive line is letting everybody get sacked. And yeah, it's gone down some, which is good. But it put Josh Allen at risk. It put Nathan Peterman at risk. You get rid of A.J. McCarron before he even gets a game under his belt. You trade for Corey Coleman and let him go. So, ultimately, there's just been a lot of decisions Buffalo's made. It's kind of almost like buyer's remorse. But now you brought in Derek Anderson. Why wait until now to bring him in? I think, honestly, they need to have a backup, Justin. They need to have a backup. And I think that if Josh Allen keeps getting hit, they're thinking in their head, this is supposed to be our franchise quarterback, so put Derek out there, let Derek get hit instead of Josh Allen, which is a horrible thing to go do to a human being. But I'm thinking about a chess match, and I'm thinking about what would Buffalo do. They're not going to want Josh Allen to be treated like David Carr for Houston when he was hit 93 times in a season. You don't want to see something like that happen. John said, Buffalo needs a backup in case Allen gets injured. Think it's a smart move. There you go. Said that too. And then Jimmer, who is actually the owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, which we're proud to be partnered with, Jimmer Sikowski, he said, great great veteran mentor, solid signing. And I agree. I said, not too shabby of a quarterback. Definitely can put up a fight if you need him. He's a He is a quarterback journeyman that can win games. Right? Vinny Testaverde could do it. Ryan Fitzpatrick could do it. He's a guy who can win games. So, by all stretches of the imagination, he's a good addition to the Buffalo Bills. I know some Buffalo fans are scared that, like, okay, well, are they going to replace our guy? Well, listen, it's about the long haul. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, ultimately, if Derek Anderson can help them out a little bit, then maybe they'll slide to him a little bit before they go back to Allen. Now, Pat Mahomes, I told you going into the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Pat Mahomes had 14 touchdowns, no interceptions in four games. And the team was 4-0 at the time. And I told you that if anybody was going to grab an interception from Pat Mahomes, it was going to be that Jacksonville defense if somebody was going to break the seal on that for him. And they did. They had two interceptions in the game. They didn't win the game, but defense, and that's because they gave up the ball five times. You're not going to win when you do that. But they were able to get two takeaways from Pat Mahomes and prevent Pat Mahomes from throwing a touchdown pass. Mahomes did have a touchdown run, but the Jaguars prevented him from throwing a touchdown pass, which he threw 14 of in four games, and he had no interceptions. They grabbed two. So that was another big story from the first week in, or pardon me, week five in the NFL. And then the Miami Dolphins are pretenders, the Cincinnati Bengals contenders. This is a conversation that we kind of started to have in FML Friday morning live on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, the show within a show, late night talk show in the morning that you can watch on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT, and listen to here on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT every Friday with John and Jordan Newman starting at 10 a.m. So when I look at this, and I look at the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins beat the Titans in a close game because the Titans always seem to play close games. And the Jets 
The Jets, they defeated. The Jets have a lot of issues. Jets have issues. I mean, it's like the Jets can win games, but they do have issues. And then the Raiders, they defeated the Raiders. The Raiders have a ton of issues. They lost to the Patriots in a blowout, and they lost to the Bengals most recently. Now, so the question is, are the Dolphins contenders or pretenders? Now, they're 3-2. and two. They have the same record as New England in the AFC East, but New England holds a tiebreaker over them. Buffalo's right behind them, and then the New York Jets. They're both 2-3. and three. So, with the Bears coming up, Bears have a strong defense. Lions have been able to win games, but the Lions are kind of an enigma. You don't know what they're going to be. The Texans can pose some threats to a team like Miami because they can start to run the score up. The Jets is going to be an interesting game. Now, the, the Dolphins are obviously not completely out of this thing by any stretch of the imagination, but who's a contender and who's a pretender? Cincinnati is 4-1. and one. Miami is 3-2. and two. They're very close in record, but Cincinnati has shown that their defense is not really that bad. There's a fumble returned by Sam Hubbard and an interception returned by Michael Johnson in this game. They were two defensive touchdowns. There was one offensive touchdown by Joe Mixon in the game and a pass from Andy Dalton. And then Randy Bullock, who used to play for the Texans as their kicker, kicked two field goals for Cincinnati. Miami had a Jason Sanders field goal. Jakeem Grant had a 71-yard punt return. Their special teams has been good. And Kenyon Drake had a 22-yard pass from Ryan Tannehill. So we look at these teams, who's a contender and who's a pretender? Well, like I said, Miami defeated Oakland, who has trouble. They defeated the Jets, who seem to, again, be somewhat of an enigma. What are they? They've defeated the Titans, who isn't a bad win, but the Titans are a strange team because the Titans will win and lose games and somehow find their place by 500 close to it, maybe a little bit above it. Now, in Cincinnati's case, they beat the Colts, who are a struggling team. They defeated the Ravens, who have been a pretty good team. They lost to the Panthers, who are a low team. They beat the Falcons in a shootout, which was a big-time win for them. And then they beat the Dolphins. I think, you know, Cincinnati beating the Falcons says something because the Falcons want to run the score up, and Cincinnati was able to best them in that case. They were able to get a touchdown 37-36 with seven seconds left in the game to win that game 37-36 over the Falcons. Now, they have some big-time games coming up. If Cincinnati is truly a contender, they have the Steelers coming up at home, the Chiefs on the road, then they play the Saints after playing the Bucks. If the Cincinnati Bengals are contenders, we're going to see some wins in there that aren't, again, you know, Steelers, Chiefs, Saints. They beat any one of those teams, then I'm looking at Cincinnati. When it comes to Miami... What would show me that they're not a pretender, they play the Bears, they play the Lions. Those are two teams in the NFC North that are doing some good things. They play at the Texans. Those games are going to show me something as well. And then they have the Packers not too shortly after that. So right now I would say feet to the fire. That's... I would say the the Cincinnati Bengals are more contenders and the Dolphins are more pretenders if I had to answer the question right now in this moment. Outside of that, the final story I want to get to, speaking of the NFC North, which we just did, Crosby missed four field goals and an extra point. Now here's the thing about my dude Johnny, who's my resident Detroit Lions fan who listens to the show daily, and God bless him for that. 
And God bless him for a lot of things because he's a great guy. And he invited my wife and I to his wedding, and we got we had a great time. Him and his wife Aaron playing our fantasy football challenge along as along with mom and pop and his brother Jimmy, who is a resident Central New Yorker Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Shout out and little Noah, little four year old Noah, and you know his family in general, all the kids. I mean, everybody's been great, and I just want to. Thank Johnny for being a great listener of the show, a great friend, a great listener in general, and for, you know, involving us in his life because my listeners are not just random strangers, you know. Some of them become friends, partners in business, and so on and so forth. I've been very blessed to do what I do the way that God has blessed me to do it. And I just, you never have to worry about anything when you have God on your side. And I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. And I want you to make sure that that's top of mind to you every single day. When you have, when you got the big guy with you, there's nothing to worry about. And he has sent me some of the greatest people, Johnny included in that. And I told Johnny he had never been to an NFL game before. <clears throat> and he said, I have a great wife. Because for our honeymoon, we're starting off our honeymoon by going to see the Detroit Lions play the Green Bay Packers. Now, his wife, Erin is a Green Bay Packer fan, and Johnny is a Detroit Lion fan, and they're both from this area, they're both from central New York. So Johnny says to me, in my, now, while I'm traveling, you know, I'm heading down for New York Comic Con for my entertainment show, Super Powered Pop, so I'm, I'm heading to cover that, and Johnny gets in touch with me, and he says, dude, you got to check this out. I said, what? He said the Detroit Lions gave me an opportunity. So Johnny had never been to a game before in his life, never been to an NFL game. Not only had he never been to an NFL game, but he was doing this for his honeymoon with his now wife. So there's all these firsts and all these awesome pieces. Honeymoon with the person you're spending the rest of your life with, seeing your favorite team. So he sends a message. He goes, I don't really understand this Twitter thing, but he decided to give Twitter a chance. And he went on to Twitter and he sent Twitter a message. Pardon me. So he sends Twitter a message, and he wrote, Sunday will be my first ever NFL game. He sent this to the Detroit Lions directly. Sunday will be my first ever NFL game. A dream come true to finally see my Detroit Lions. My wife and I have decided that this is how we will spend our honeymoon. I've been a Lions fan for over 25 years now, have never lost faith. The Lions wrote to him, congratulations, with uh, with a bride and groom picture. He said, how would you like a pair of pregame sideline passes as a wedding present? Johnny thought that this was fake, and they asked him to send them a direct message, which he did. He was on the sideline before the game, got to meet Herman Moore, who is one of the greatest, 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 greatest Detroit Lion wide receivers ever. And so all this happens, right? All this happens. So he goes to his first game with his wife to see the Detroit Lions, his favorite team. The Lions write to him on Twitter, give him sideline passes, get him into the game early, get him out to see his team. He gets to meet Herman Moore, who's one of the greatest Lions to ever play the game, and suit up. And on top of all of that, God was on this man's side. The Lions 
win the game over the Green Bay Packers. And him and I were talking about it. Wouldn't be cra- wouldn't it be crazy if the Lions won? Mason Crosby, who has been one of the great current kickers in the NFL, indoors at Ford Field, inside, missed four field goal attempts and an extra point. Add those all up, that, you know, four field goals is 12 points, an extra point is 13. Add that 13 to the score, and the Green Bay Packers would have won 36-31. Instead, the Lions win 31-23. LeGarrette Blunt had two rushing touchdowns in the first quarter, and the Lions shut out the Packers in the first quarter. Then Matt Prater kicked a 39-yard field goal. Marvin Jones Jr. caught a touchdown pass from Matt Stafford, shut out the Packers in the second quarter, 24-0 Detroit at halftime. Then Green Bay bounces back in the third quarter. They shut out the Lions in the third quarter. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I told you for some odd reason I thought he was going to score this week. Did I not? He scored a touchdown in the game. And then Jamal Williams got the two-point conversion, so it's 24-8 Detroit. Then Lance Kendricks had a one-yard touchdown pass. From Aaron Rodgers, the two-point conversion failed, so now it's 24-14. In the fourth quarter, Kenny Galladay gets Detroit back on the board with a five-yard touchdown catch from Matt Stafford, 31-14. Devontae Adams gets a 12-yard touchdown from Aaron Rodgers, and it's 31-20. They miss the extra point. Mason Crosby finally hits a field goal from 41 yards away with two seconds left. And they and the Green Bay Packers lose thirty-one to twenty-three. What are the odds that Mason Crosby is going to miss four field goals and an extra point? What are the odds that Detroit's defense that made Isaiah Crowell look like a friggin' Barry Sanders type player in Detroit at home? What are the odds that that defense was going to shut out Aaron Rodgers in the first half of the game in a divisional game? What are the odds that any of this stuff was going to happen? The odds were against Detroit that they were going to shut out Green Bay in the first quarter, shut them out in the second quarter, shut them out in the entire first half. The odds were against them that their defense was going to stop anybody when they couldn't stop the Jets. The odds were against them that Mason Crosby was going to miss. There's no way that Mason Crosby could miss one or two, definitely not three, not four field goals and an extra point. Yet it all happened. It was the perfect storm for my man Johnny Bananas. And shout out to you, brother for winning that game, 31-23, to his first ever game on his honeymoon with his wife on the sideline at the game early, met Herman Moore, and the Detroit Lions won the game 31-23. to That, my friend, is what I call a true blessing. And with that being said, we'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll come back with plenty more after this. This is a wake-up call fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here 
which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Always a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hanging out with you here on the airwaves Monday through Friday. God bless, no stress. And I hope you're doing well today. With that being said, we're in the second hour of the show. And you know that On the Prowl is every Monday at 10 a.m. where I speak on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have interviews with the players all throughout the season. This is my 10th year of covering the Jacksonville Jaguars in some respect on site, on location in Jacksonville, Florida, in Duval County. And it's always, 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 always a great time. And win, lose, or draw, the guys are great. And they definitely... Uh, work very, very hard. Obviously, they want to win, they don't want to lose, and they definitely don't want to draw, but they have been consummate professionals, and I appreciate them. Guys like Malik Jackson and A.J. Boye and and uh, Corey Grant, T.J. Yeldon, as well as, uh, I said, I think I said Malik Jackson. Sorry, I'm getting older. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, everybody that that is uh, that is with this team, a Jadon Mickens as well. You know, just some really great guys, Josh Lambeau, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who's been on the show this season, and my God bless to him and my prayers to him on a speedy recovery as he is on injury reserve right now. So with a core muscle injury that he just had surgery on, and I know he was playing through it, but ultimately, you know, the better decision, or whatever he felt was the best decision was to have that surgery. So God bless to him. Niles Paul, you know, just uh, Josh Wells, Cam Robinson, everybody, Leonard Fournette, you know, just much appreciation, much respect to to all of the guys out there and, and Blake Bortles, who obviously is going to catch a lot of flack this week and, you know, because he made a lot of mistakes in the game and he's consistently inconsistent, so people get on him about that. He's also a good quarterback, so 
you know, it's it's the conversation goes back and forth, and and we'll definitely, I'm sure, have it on Friday morning live FML with uh, with with my my gentlemen uh, John and Jordan Newman. So we'll have some some fun with that. But yeah, on the prowl is every Monday, but because of the holiday, we moved it to Tuesday, so it was yesterday. And <clears throat> after the show, Jamal Charles got welcomed to Duval, and uh, for everybody wonders why I do that, that's the county that the Jaguars play in and as a community builder and to bring the community out and really bring everybody together and create some camaraderie in my opinion they created the chant Duval and so you know you'll hear Fred Taylor that's there now and everybody you'll just hear them say Duval and then fans will obviously respond to them in that case so you know it's uh, it's become a rally cry. It's it's actually really awesome. It's probably the coolest thing that I've ever seen the fans do in Jacksonville. So you know it's really cool to see them kind of all come together with that. And so on the prowl was yesterday, but Jamal Charles got added to the Jaguars, and I thought that this was really interesting. So there's a few different things I wanted to talk about when it comes to Jamal Charles joining the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, with Leonard Fournette being out either out of games or not playing in a full game. And he's already been ruled out for the next game, which is the upcoming game that they have against on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. So here's the reality of it all, okay? Right now, in this moment, Leonard Fournette, there has been five games, and game number six he's already ruled out of. Now, Doug Marone and the staff, they've done – They've done differently. They were, you know, waiting to the last minute to let people know if Leonard Fournette was going to play or not. This past week against Kansas City, they let us know on like Monday or Tuesday, he's not playing. Literally, before the injury report came out, not going to play. This week, same thing, right after the game. Leonard Fournette's not, not going to play this week. So he has not played a full game in the 2018-19 season. He's either played a couple series or been out completely. In all six games, with the sixth game coming up against Cowboys, he's already ruled out for. So with that being said, a power back is important because a power back, like Leonard Fournette, gives T.J. Yeldon the opportunity to break out into the open field and catch passes. T.J. Yeldon is a very lethal and dangerous running back when he catches the ball of the backfield. Now, he has grown, and he told me, Early on in the season, in week two, after they defeated the Patriots, he looked me in the eye and said, I know I can do everything. I know I can catch. I know I can run. So he has improved his game. He believes that. He has shown that on the field. He has been able to run for over five yards of carry. He's done some good things. He also catches the ball and and can grab a touchdown in that respect and can be the leading receiver on the team sometimes. So TJ Yeldon has improved. But having a power back, having somebody else in the backfield gives him the opportunity to break out and be that check down opportunity, that emergency opportunity. Now, Corey Grant, this is the thing, and and this is the thing that that stinks about sports. It's one thing because you can't control it, but it absolutely is, is horrid. When a team has the ability, when the team... I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars going into the season, and I say this is a Super Bowl contending team. I don't say that because I cover them. I don't say that because I've had a connection with them since they came in in 1995. I say that because it's reality. If I told you that they were a contender and the team wasn't good at all, I'm no type of a broadcaster. 
So I would never do that and, and, and risk losing respect of my profession and what I do. So I think they've been building since 2014 and making good decisions and getting rid of the stuff that wasn't working, coaches, staff, bringing people back, and then, you know, personnel-wise, getting rid of a bunch of players. 39 players over, I believe, six different drafts that aren't on the team anymore and they didn't pan out. So they have worked very diligently to build this team. And going into this season, I I truly believed that the best teams to make it out of the AFC were the Patriots and the Jaguars because Le'Veon Bell was having a, a dicey marriage with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which he's still having. And nobody knew the Kansas City Chiefs were going to blow up like this from the outside looking in, at least. As far as I'm concerned, very small percentage of people maybe thought that Kansas City was going to do what they're doing right now. I thought if Pat Mahomes can be anything above average, then holy crap, because Alex Smith managed games, but Pat Mahomes, if he could do better than managing games, he's got all the weapons. Well, obviously he can do better than just manage games. He's got all these weapons, and the team's 5-0, and and Kansas City all of a sudden's a contender now. So, you know, to me, going into this season – Without any injuries, Jacksonville is a contender to make it to the Super Bowl. They defeated the Patriots in the regular season already for the first time ever. First time since 1999. They've only beat them twice in 13 chances, and this is the first time they ever defeated Tom Brady. And they didn't just defeat him. They defeated him going away, and the Patriots lost by double digits to the Jaguars. So with that being said, this looked like a promising year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's not that it still can't be. It's just the fact that the injury bug, which bit Doug Marone when he was the Syracuse coach, and they lost like almost every single defensive back one season. Here is the injury bug again. Cam Robinson, the starting left tackle, the blind side for Blake Bortles, and the guy that obviously helps you get the ball down the field, passing and rushing, is out for the season. Leonard Fournette has not played a full game in all six weeks. Corey Grant, who is a dangerous weapon when they utilize him, was placed on injury reserve with a list frank injury in his left foot. So, no Leonard Fournette, no Corey Grant. Austin Safarian Jenkins, their starting tight end, was just placed on injury reserve. Their starting left tackle, Cam Robinson's on injured reserve. Okay, this is just offense, folks. This is just offense. Brandon Linder, their center, has been on the injury report. A.J. Can, their right guard, has already been out of game this season. Jeremy Parnell, their right tackle, has been on the injury report. Andrew Norwell, their left guard, has been on the injury report. So every single one of their starting offensive linemen has been on the injury report at some point in the first five weeks. One of them is out for a season for the season. Leonard Fournette, we don't know when he's coming back. Corey Grant's on IR. Austin Safarian Jenkins is on IR. Marquise Lee, who is supposed to be one of their top wide receivers, was on IR before the season started, very much like Allen Robinson last year. So you lost one of your top receivers, your top tight end, your top left tackle, your top running back, and one of your backup change of pace special teams players in Corey Grant. So, yeah. It's a lot of headaches for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Undeserved headaches. And they had to make some decisions, obviously. They had to bring somebody onto the team, so they made a decision. Because, you know, when you have Leonard Fournette, you're not paying for Le'Veon Bell. 
So they went out and they got somebody else, and that means it's time for us to go back on the prowl. Lurking in the shadows is a predator unlike any other. Cities all over the nation be on alert. This predator doesn't slow down. It doesn't take a break. It's always on the prowl. Joining you on the prowl to talk Jacksonville Jaguars is Dan Tatora. On the prowl here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the broadcast. It is my signature segment in coverage of the Jacksonville Jaguars who made the decision yesterday to go and get Jamal Charles, who's 31 years old. He worked out for the Jaguars on Tuesday morning prior to signing with the Jaguars, and he was waiting to sign with a contender. The Jacksonville Jaguars right now have a one-year deal with Jamal Charles. Leonard Fournette has a right hamstring injury. And T.J. Yeldon has a has an ankle injury, and Corey Grant's on IR. That's one, two, and three for the Jacksonville Jaguars. First year back, Brandon Wilds came from the practice squad to the roster, but he's been a non-factor in the game. So Jamal Charles said this, quote, I've been trying to do all my condition work, just trying to stay in shape, just in case I got anybody to call. The reason why I wanted to come here, really, was because I wanted a potential shot at a Super Bowl. That's why I still kept my options open. I really want to win a championship, end quote. That's, you know, Jamal Charles speaking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He said, I have a lot left in the tank, and I've got to prove a lot. Opportunities don't come around like this all the time, end quote. So you got a guy who was sitting on his couch getting ready for this. I'm not saying he wasn't doing anything. I'm just saying as a metaphor, there's a guy who is sitting and waiting for an opportunity to be with a contender getting his body ready, trying to be prepared. He got a phone call from Jacksonville. He said, I'm going to go. He has a lot to prove, and like you said, opportunities like this don't come around like all the time. So you got to make the most of it. He spent nine seasons in Kansas City and 14 games with the Denver Broncos last season. He's a four-time Pro Bowl selection who has 7,556 rushing yards, 44 touchdowns, and then another 2,586 yards receiving and 20 touchdowns receiving. 64 touchdowns in 10 seasons, which averages out to about a little over six touchdowns a season. He said, in my mind, I wanted to come here and make my own history. I want to start a new history. Everybody says he's old right now. But I want to start something new. I want to do something special for the Jaguars. I hope we can go all the way, end quote. Now, Charles was on the Broncos last season. They signed him to a one-year deal after the Chiefs released him, but he was not utilized that much. In the final two games of the season, he was healthy but was deemed inactive. He finished last season with the Broncos 69 carries for 296 yards. So not much of anything and not what he used to be. When he, and that was the thing. Injuries hurt him too. He averaged over four yards a carry with the Broncos. But the Broncos, who have been consistently trying to find their running back between Royce Freeman, Phillip Lindsay, Devontae Booker, Jamal Charles, and so on, and C.J. Anderson, and so on and so forth, they ultimately felt like Charles was not going to be the guy. He was frustrated last year, and Charles 
became, you know, before that, Charles had been the leading rusher in Kansas City with 7,260 yards in Chiefs history, despite having knee injuries. He had four seasons with at least 40 catches apiece. He tore his right ACL in October 2015, the second tear of his career after tearing the left ACL in 2011. He's had multiple knee surgeries in 2016 and was adamant throughout the season that he could be a regular contributor despite his knee troubles, but they didn't give it to him. His career average of yards per carry is 5.4. So he averages over five yards a carry. He had been getting 40 catches a season. He's the all-time leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs in their entire history as of right now. And he has almost 8,000 rushing yards. Not too shabby, right? And 64 touchdowns in his career. For 10 seasons playing in the NFL. So, the big thing with Jamal Charles, though, was he was he was strong for the Kansas City Chiefs. He did great things for the Kansas City Chiefs, but then he got hurt. As a rookie in 2008-2009, he played all 16 games. Had 67 carries for 300 and 57 yards, 5.3 yards a carry. But he didn't have a touchdown that season. The next season, he had 190 carries for 1,120 yards, 5.9 yards a carry, 7 rushing touchdowns. In his third season in the NFL, 16 games he played, 230 carries, 1,467 yards, 6.4. The more they gave him the ball, the better he did. Jamal Charles, as a rookie, 357 yards, 5.3 yards carry, right? And 67 carries. <clears throat> then you up the 67 to 190, he gets over 1,100 yards, 5.9 yards carry from 5.3 the year before. Then you go from 190 carries to 230 carries, he goes from 1,100 yards to almost 1,500 yards, 6.4 yards a carry from 5.9. Then in 2011, he got hurt, tore his ACL. 2012, he comes back, gets 1,500 yards and 5.3 yards a carry. 2013, he gets 1,287 yards, 5 yards a carry. 2014, he gets 1,000 yards, 5 yards a carry. 2015, 2015, 2016, hurt, things going on. Still averages 5 yards a carry in 2015, 2016, he only plays in three games. 2015, he only played in five games. And then last year for the Broncos, he played in 14 games but wasn't utilized that much in a crowded backfield. He has been a 1,000-yard running back in five of his 10 seasons in the NFL. 50% of the time that he's been in the NFL, he's been a 1,000-yard back. 50% of the time... He's been in the NFL. He's been a 1,000-yard back, 1,100, 1,400, and then a string of three straight seasons before getting hurt from 2012, 2013, 2014, 1,500 yards, 1,287 yards, 1,000 yards, respectively, okay? So outside, but this, and that's eventually what got him. He got hurt, and he got hurt. He was with the Chiefs. He got hurt, played in five games, got hurt again, played in three games because he tried to come back and got hurt again. So, Jamal Charles, when he is healthy, is a 1,000-yard back. When he is healthy, he is catching multiple passes. When he's healthy, he's scoring through the air and on the ground. 
when he is healthy. And the thing that the Jaguars need right now is a healthy running back. T.J. Yeldon is not 100%. Corey Grant is not there. Leonard Fournette is not there. So here's Jamal Charles. He's cheap. It's a one-year deal. He's got to prove himself. And if this man can stay healthy and his knees can stay healthy and his body overall can stay healthy, you might have stumbled upon a 1,000-yard back who's going to catch touchdown passes and run in touchdown passes for the Jacksonville Jaguars, proudly wearing the number 31. I think it's a good move for Jacksonville because they're rolling the dice. And you know what? If they roll the dice on this thing and Jamal Charles ends up being something special, he ends up staying healthy and, and proving that he can do it. you gotta, you got to understand something. He wasn't utilized that much last season in Denver, so that preserves his body. In 2015 and 2016, he didn't play that much, which preserves his time too because you say, well, Dan, he's been a running back in the NFL for 10 years. Yes, but he hasn't played 10 full seasons. He has played six. He's played six relatively full seasons. And in five out of those six seasons that he was healthy, he was a 1,000-yard back. Outside of his rookie campaign, where he carried the ball 67 times for 357 yards, is still 5.3 yards per carry. Outside of his rookie season, five out of six seasons where he's played pretty much the whole season, that's 83% of the time he's been in a thousand. He's been a thousand yard back. So to roll the dice on him right now, to roll this dice. The reality of it all, and this is how I'm seeing it if I'm in the Jaguars' front office, is that I have a back who has the opportunity to do something special for me that was waiting out there in free agency. Jamal Charles is not a bad guy to roll the dice on. A healthy Jamal Charles is a thousand-yard back. A healthy Jamal Charles is catching touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. A healthy Jamal Charles is moving my offense. A healthy Jamal Charles is getting me halfway to a first down on every carry. Five yards per carry. Jamal Charles can be the diamond in the rough that the Jaguars are looking for. Because you don't want to see a team like this have to not get to the Super Bowl because of things that are out of their control because of these injuries. Losing your starting running back and your starting left tackle and your backup running back and your other running back is hurt and your starting tight end and your starting wide receiver, that's a lot of stuff. And what do people do? Blake Bortles is crap. Could it be that maybe not having protection on the line, could it be that losing your franchise running back could affect you? Losing your blindside offensive lineman could affect you? Losing the wide receiver that you've spent the most time with could affect you? Losing your top tight end who has been a red zone threat could affect you? Could that? Could any of that affect anybody? Could, I mean, could that possibly not be Blake Bortles' fault? Because everything is Blake Bortles' fault, according to some people. The reality of it all is this team needs help. This team is dealing with stuff that is out of their control, and they went and got Jamal Charles. And as I said, Jamal Charles has played six full, six relatively full seasons. And what I mean by relative is he's played in 15 or 16 regular season games. <laughs> okay? 
six relatively full seasons. And in five out of those six seasons, the man has been a thousand yard rusher. So the way I see it is you're rolling the dice, hoping that Jamal Charles can be something. And the odds are 83% in your favor that you may have stumbled on a a thousand yard running back who was sitting out here waiting for a job, hoping that's that a contender would call him that he could go to. And the Jaguars gave him the opportunity, and now he has the opportunity to give back to the Jaguars and say thank you for the opportunity that was blessed to him and given to him. Let's see what he does with it. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. When we come back, we'll talk on college football as we get you set for next week, or tomorrow next week, as we get you set for tomorrow's conversation with Papa Joe as we always talk college football. We'll give you a little primer to that and start the discussion in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D R E I S S I G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing and don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay at home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90 inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Totoro's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, the live stream. You can also pick up the live stream by going to WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage. Pardon me if I sound a little bit different. This morning, I unfortunately am getting hit with my fall allergies that always seem to find their way to me every single fall. So I'm doing okay. Hopefully you're doing okay, and I'm happy to be here with you as always, and I thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast. So much love, much appreciation, and much thanks to you for being a part of the show, whatever you're doing today, whether you're running around with the kids, or you're at work, or you're jogging, or you're at the gym, or you're eating breakfast, having a coffee, hanging out with friends, whatever you're doing, on vacation, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I greatly appreciate it. With that being said, let's hop into the final portion of today's show, which is talk on the remaining unbeaten college football teams. Now, there are a few remaining unbeaten college football teams. And so when we look at that, that list has NC State. Well, let me first and foremost, let me read off to you the ones that we expect. So Alabama's undefeated. Whoa, oh my God, no it's not. How could it be? Obviously kidding. <laughs> so people are like, oh my God, Alabama's undefeated? When? So Alabama's undefeated. We all figured that. And Georgia's undefeated. Some could argue that Clemson, 
is undefeated, although a scare from Syracuse. So those are the undefeateds you kind of expect to be undefeated. Then Notre Dame's undefeated, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I figured they maybe would be good, but they're undefeated. Ohio State, another team that you might think would be undefeated, is undefeated. Then Colorado, you wouldn't think. USF, you wouldn't think. Cincinnati, you wouldn't think. NC State, you wouldn't think. West Virginia, you wouldn't think. And then UCF, oh my goodness. The team that didn't lose a game last season and had to play 11 straight weeks due to the hurricane lost a game already this season due to another hurricane, and they're still going strong, and they're still undefeated. Oh, my goodness. That UCF team that the nation doesn't want to respect is sticking around. I shouldn't say the nation doesn't want to respect. The committee doesn't want to respect. So... To me, it's just, let's go through it. Okay, let's go through it. Let's take a look at each team. Alabama 6-0. Alabama has defeated Louisville, who's way down this year. They're 2-4. and four. Defeated Arkansas State, whatever. Defeated Mississippi. Mm. Defeated Texas A&M. Okay. First season with Jimbo Fisher there. Defeated Louisiana, whoop-de-doo. Defeated Arkansas, whoop-de-doo. They will play Missouri, who's unranked. Tennessee, who's unranked. Citadel, who's unranked. But they will have to play a ranked LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. And they're ending their season with Auburn as per usual. Last year, Auburn beat them. But it didn't matter because the committee wanted to put Alabama in the Final Four, like they always do. So Alabama has arguably, let's say, two, maybe three tough games left on their schedule for the second half of their season. I Now, I know they got to play every single game, but they're playing three ranked teams. They're playing LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. I think LSU... And, and Auburn are the two threats to Alabama. So the chances of Alabama being a no-loss or one-loss team are pretty great, and they'll definitely be in the college football playoff. Looking at Ohio State, Ohio State beat Oregon State, whatever. Rutgers should have never gone to the Big Ten. Rutgers is trash in the Big Ten. They're awful in the Big Ten. There is nothing. There is no hope. They are a bottom feeder of the Big Ten. They have been so bad. People say, well, Syracuse has struggled in the ACC. Rutgers, people forget they're even in the Big Ten because they don't they don't score. They don't compete. They don't win games in the Big Ten. They just don't. Ohio, and I'm not I'm not trying to knock Rutgers. I'm just, I'm being honest. Ruck, I mean, Rutgers fans know this. The Big Ten, they've been awful. They've been absolutely tremendously awful in the Big Ten. They're 1-5 right now in their season, okay? Let's look at their schedule. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's look at their schedule. Let's go back in time, shall we? Now, in 2012, they were in the Big East, what the Big East used to be, right? So they were playing Syracuse and South Florida and Temple and whatnot, Cincinnati. And the team was 9-4. and four. Had an overtime loss to Virginia Tech in the Russell Athletic Bowl. In 2012, they were 9-4 and four as a Big East team. Okay? In 2013, they were within this reconfiguration of the American Athletic Conference. They were 6-7. and seven. 
In 2014, they joined, now keep that in mind, 9-4, and 6-7. and 9-4, and 6-7. and seven. Rutgers went into the Big Ten, got a win over Maryland, got a win over Indiana, lost to Michigan, lost to Wisconsin, lost to Nebraska, lost to Ohio State, beat Michigan, and lost to Penn State. <clears throat> but were able to win enough games to, to get a bowl berth, and they were 8-5. and five. Not too shabby for their first season in the Big Ten. Then they were 4-8 in 2015. Then they were 2-10 in 2016. Then they were 4-8 in 2017. And in 2018, they're 1-5. Their first year in, element of surprise, they won some games. Their first year in, mad props. But the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, since that first year going 8-5 as a Big Ten school, look at where they are. 4-8, 4-8, 2-10, 1-5 right now. For those of you playing the home game, that means that they've been 10-26 and 26 for three years. And if you add in how they've started out this season, they are 11-31 and 31 as a Big Ten team since their first season in the Big Ten. They're 11-31, and 31, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So I don't look at Rutgers as a threat as we get back to Ohio State. I don't see this game as a as a as a as a big time win even if it's an unranked team so they won 52 to 3 and then they defeated TCU which that was a big time game 40 to 28 cuz TCU was surging at the time they defeated Tulane who's been struggling the Penn State win was huge they defeated them 27 26 and they defeated Indiana who's not a bad team right now who's currently 4 and 2 Overall, and Stevie Scott, pretty damn good rusher from Central New York, CBA, shout out my alma mater, he ran for 7.1 yards a carry against Ohio State, mind you, as a true freshman, I'm just saying. So, left on Ohio State's schedule, they have one ranked team, Michigan, who has been up and down this season. Michigan is currently 5-1. and one. They found a way to get back. It's funny to me how Michigan plays their game against Notre Dame and everybody wants to fire Jim Harbaugh. And he's awful and Michigan's off the rails and they can't win games. And then they're 5-1. and one. That's happened to so many teams this year, it's not even funny. Where somebody says, let's get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them. And then it's like, oh my God, they're 5-1. and one. I love my coach. He's so great. <laughs> so, so, must be a nice problem to have. You want to fire somebody for a bad week and then they win their next five games. Ohio State, <clears throat> speaking of winning their next five, on paper they should. They're playing Minnesota, Purdue, who's gotten better, Nebraska, who's all types of trouble in Scott Frost's first year, Michigan State, and Maryland. Michigan is at home, and that's the only ranked team. So I would anticipate seeing Ohio State in the college football playoff. So as of right now, I've gone to two teams that are undefeated currently, and I believe Ohio State, I love I love Dwayne Haskins. Love watching Dwayne Haskins. Big fan. He was recruited by Syracuse, FYI. Ohio State and Alabama are going to be in the college football playoff, in my opinion, right now. Now, Notre Dame, and I've said this before. Now, Notre Dame, they make that bread, right? They don't have to share their money with anybody, which is really, 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 really nice. They don't have to share their cash with anybody out there. Why? Because they have this great deal where they're an independent for football. So they they have the deal with NBC. 
They make 100% of their earnings. They don't have to share it with a conference or anything. And then with all their other sports in the ACC, they get to share all that money. So all, all the money in the conference gets shared with them, I should say. So they make money for every other piece of what they do. You're in the ACC. You're sharing money. And so they get a percentage of all that money from the ACC on top of the 100% that they're going to make for all the deals that they make with their football team. So it must be very nice to be a Notre Dame Fighting Irish member of the staff and whatnot. Because if you're – I shouldn't say member of the staff. You know, it's, it's good to be Notre Dame in and of itself because Notre Dame – is eligible for the for the postseason. They're eligible for the college football playoff. They get 100% of their money for football, and they get shared money across all other sports for the ACC, including men's basketball, which is pretty hefty and pretty awesome. And you get a share of the TV deal for that. So it's money, 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 money. All of the positives of the ACC that Syracuse gets, Notre Dame gets, but they get 100% of their football earnings. And they've been on, uh, they have a deal with NBC where they'll be on NBC forever in a day. And who's going to stop that? Nobody. Because NBC has the rights to show the games and Notre Dame's making all the money. Now, Notre Dame has defeated Michigan, which was a good one because Michigan's 5-1. and one. They defeated Ball State, whatever. They defeated Vanderbilt. Bear- now, they've played a lot of close games. They played a close game against Vanderbilt where they won by five. They played a close game with Ball State where they won by eight. Then they defeated Wake Forest in the game where after the game, Dave Kloss and the head coach of Wake Forest fired his defensive coordinator because he didn't think that they were even lined up all all in the same defense. So Wake was supposed to be better in that game. Didn't work out. I think the Pac-12 is weak. I don't buy into the Pac-12. They defeated Stanford. It's a good win. Stanford was seventh in the country at the time. But I think the rankers are way too high on the Pac-12, on Oregon and Stanford and whatnot. But they defeat them substantially, 38-17. And then they go to Virginia Tech, and they take down Virginia Tech 45-23, which was huge most recently. Notre Dame did that. So now Notre Dame has Pittsburgh, who likes to play spoilers to things. So that'll be an interesting little run there, They that they play Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is coming off of a win. Kind of interesting here with Pittsburgh, where they stand right now. Because they're going to get up for this game. Now they're playing in Notre Dame, so this will be tough. Then Notre Dame has to face Navy, who's been an enigma themselves up and down all season. Then they play Northwestern, and Northwestern at the time right now is 2-3 and three on the season. Then they play Florida State, who's all kinds of confused this season, but they do have a record of 3-3. Three and three. They were able to win a few. Then they play Syracuse at Yankee Stadium, and then they play USC on the road in Kilt. In California as another signature potential win because, the big, again, the Pac-12 is given more respect than I think has been earned. They just seem to have it. It's like USC was good a few years ago, so let's love them now. So Notre Dame, here's the thing. Notre Dame is 6-0. and I can argue that Notre Dame could win at least 10 games. 
in the regular season. But they don't have a championship game. And they're not a member of a conference. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you want Notre Dame to become a member of a conference, all you have to do is tell them that they're ineligible for the postseason. That's all you have to do. You tell them if you can figure out legally how to do this, you tell them that they're ineligible for the postseason. Or you tell them they're ineligible for the college football playoff. But if you've already written into law that independents can make it, well, then you're screwed. But it's hard for me to put Notre Dame in. Notre Dame has to kind of go, to me, they have to go 12-0. and 12-0, 11-1, because then you got Clemson. Now, Clemson defeated Furman no problem. They played a close one, Dabo Sweeney against Jimbo Fisher, even though Jimbo Fisher's not at Florida State and he's at Texas A&M right now. 28-26, this was interesting. So they won that game in Texas. Georgia Southern, they won the game by 31. Georgia Tech, they defeated handily by 28 points. Then they played a very close game against Syracuse. Then they took that out on Wake Forest. After playing close against Syracuse, they went to Winston-Salem and defeated Wake Forest 63-3 to while Wake Forest was in front of their own fans. They got a big game against NC State coming up this weekend on October 20th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Or pardon me, not this weekend, next weekend. And the reason why this is such a big game is that NC State has come within one play of defeating Clemson two years in a row. They missed a field goal, went in overtime, lost overtime, had a touchdown that was thrown from Ryan Finley to his receiver in coverage who caught the ball and and it was knocked out of his hands as he was crossing the goal line. So NC State has been within a play of defeating Clemson. Now... That game, that win, because NC State's also undefeated, mind you. So if NC State wins this game, they pop above Clemson. They have been in a situation where they have been above Clemson and then they had to play Clemson, or in this case could be above Clemson and are right behind them. NC State, third time's a charm maybe. Close to defeating them could have played in the ACC championship. Close to defeating them, could have played in the ACC championship. What are they going to do this year? Close, close, no cigar. What are they going to do this year? What are they going to do right now? Because this next game for Clemson and for NC State is going to be massive. Because Clemson can play, NC State can play spoilers to Clemson being in the college football playoff, which they almost did twice. And we know that they're vulnerable. We know that they're vulnerable. There's Johnny saying, roll tide, baby. What's up, Johnny Bananas? A lot of great stuff, and I shouted you out all throughout the show. I hope you heard it. Let's take a step step aside because those are the teams that are kind of, you know, your usual suspects, and we'll come back and talk about the other undefeated teams in college football in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company, Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. 
families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying, in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. <laughs> now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pickup times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K.com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. 
Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus. Located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day. All complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, hanging out with you here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, I put polls up on Twitter all the time on at CallDT. For all of you that follow me there, thank you so much. If you haven't followed me on there, make sure you do so today. You can follow me on Twitter by going to at CallDT. That's C-A-L-L-D-T. Once again, C-A-L-L-D-T. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and get in touch with me on there. I just put up two poll questions, and they are on what we're currently talking about for the last portion of today's show, and that's of the undefeated teams in college football, who do you believe will stay undefeated and so currently I have uh, because I can't put all of them on one poll I put these because you can only put four to each one I put of the teams of these teams who do you believe will remain undefeated throughout the regular season your choices in one of the polls are Clemson Alabama Ohio State or Notre Dame each of the four teams we just spoke about before the fast break and then I put of these American Athletic Conference teams who do you believe will be undefeated at the end of the regular season, USF, UCF, or Cincinnati. So that's up there right now because the American Athletic Conference is the only conference, yes, the only conference, folks, that can boast of having three undefeated teams still left in their conference. So something truly special that they can boast of that nobody else can, which is 
something pretty amazing and and uh, pretty tremendous, pretty awesome. So big shout out to the American Athletic Conference, a conference that I am more than proud to cover since its institution, since day zero pretty much. And so the other poll that I put up, like I said, of of these American Athletic Conference teams, who do you believe will remain undefeated throughout the regular season? And your choices are USF, UCF, or Cincinnati. And you can vote in that poll right now. The only conference to have three undefeated football teams. And I'll post that, which I just did. So you can feel free to go on there and put your votes in for each of those polls. Who do you think is going to remain undefeated from Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame? You can pick more than one by replying to the poll with that answer. And of the American Athletic Conference having three undefeated teams, will USF, UCF, or Cincinnati, or a combination of them, stay undefeated? What do you think about that? So give me your thoughts. Shoot them over to me on Twitter at CallDT. That's C-A-L-L. DT. Getting into the other teams that are also undefeated, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs have faced Austin P. Whoop-de-doo. They faced South Carolina, who was ranked at the time, but eh. They defeated Middle Tennessee State. Scott Schaefer, a defense coordinator over there, 49-7. to Big time win. Kind of just toying with them in that game. They defeated Missouri by 14 points. They defeated Tennessee, who was also unranked. So Austin P unranked, South Carolina was ranked, but soon to be unranked. Middle Tennessee unranked, Missouri unranked, Tennessee unranked. They defeated by 26. They also defeated Vanderbilt, who's unranked, by 28 points. So really no ranked wins here, but their big-time game is going to be this upcoming weekend on October 13th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS they will be facing LSU at LSU, and LSU is ranked in the top 13 in the nation. So that's going to be a big-time game for Georgia, either for Georgia or for LSU in that one. LSU is currently 5-1, and one, and Georgia is 6-0. and oh. And Georgia right now is just slightly above Kentucky, believe it or not, who's 5-1 and one, and Florida's 5-1. and one. And then behind them, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. And then... Alabama on the other side of the SEC and the west side. Alabama is 6-0. and LSU's 5-1. and Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher's first season there is one game away from bowl eligibility at 5-2. and Or pardon me, 4-2. and They're two games away from bowl eligibility. Mississippi State's 4-2. and Auburn's 4-2. and Ole Miss is 4-2. and And Arkansas is 1-5 and in the first season under the former SMU head coach who is currently over with the Arkansas Razorbacks and, you know, trying to figure out a way to win this game and are trying to figure out a way to, to move forward. So you look at going into the SEC and, you know, some coaches have a, <laughs> have a nice welcoming into the SEC like a Jimbo Fisher. And then other coaches, unfortunately, seem to struggle and that's the unfortunate of it all and like I said the former SMU head coach Chad Morris who is now the head coach in his first season at Arkansas is at the bottom of the west division of the ACC which is typically owned by Alabama or Auburn and Arkansas is 0-3 in the conference 1-5 overall on the season and they are right now in a situation right now where they may not make a bowl game and Chad Morris is 
first season with the team, which is okay if you're anywhere else, but not okay if you're in the SEC. If you're a first-year coach in the SEC and you don't contend with Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and company, then you're pretty much on the chopping block. That's the reality. The SEC is very different, drastically different. You get time in other places. You don't really get that much time if you're inside of the SEC. And being inside of the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs, they'll have a fight against LSU and then against Florida and then against Kentucky. Three tough games. If they can run the gamut and go undefeated in those, then they got to play Auburn. They probably have one of the worst schedules out there because they have to play LSU, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn in a row. And then they have... They're at LSU, home against Florida, at Kentucky, home against Auburn. Then they play UMass in what's supposed to be a chip shot game. And then they play Georgia Tech. And we'll see because Georgia Tech can put up a fight sometimes. So it'll be an interesting four-game streak for Georgia. If they can somehow come through this undefeated, then I think they got a shot. But I could see Georgia being contested and in, in, in maybe potentially having two losses, which could take them out of the running for the college football playoff. And then outside of that, we have West Virginia, who's 5-0 and right now. West Virginia's defeated Tennessee, which pretty much everybody has. <laughs> We've read off today. They defeated the Youngstown State Penguins. Raise your hand if you knew that was a team. They've defeated Kansas State. Not trying to be rude. They defeated Texas Tech in a close game, and they defeated Kansas by 16 points. The rest of the way, they're going to play two ranked teams, Texas and Oklahoma. It'll be interesting to see how they play Texas and how they play Oklahoma, and that'll decide for me if West Virginia's going to make it. If they beat Texas and Oklahoma, they definitely got a shot. If they beat one of them, they got to hope for something else to happen. Outside of that, we have NC State. Their big-time victory would, would be defeating Clemson. They got to go at Clemson, at Syracuse. Florida State's struggling. Wake Forest is struggling. Both those games are at home in NC State in Raleigh. <clears throat> After that, they go at Louisville, who's struggling, at North Carolina, who's struggling, and they end the season against East Carolina in trying to, you know, obviously uh, right the ship here and make sure that they play out because that <clears throat> right now they have one, two, three, four, five games that they played, and they were able to schedule a game against East Carolina for to make sure that they get to 12 this season. So they're going to play that game on December 1st when usually teams are getting ready for the bowl season. So, you know, if I'm NC State, I'm in good shape, right? If I defeat Clemson third time's a charm, I got to play at Syracuse, and you don't know which Syracuse is going to show up. And then arguably on paper, Florida State, Wake Forest, Louisville, North Carolina, those are four wins. So if you can find a way to beat Clemson, that's your signature win that could bump Clemson out, put you in, playing the ACC championship game potentially, and for the first time under Dave Doran, and then you look at that saying, okay, if they win that game, they go 4-0 against the teams they're supposed to beat, and then they hang tough with East Carolina, who's kind of a giant killer sometimes, then you know we could be looking at a team who is 10 or 11 wins, and they defeated Clemson. And now all of a sudden you got to talk about NC State if they win – I think whoever wins the ACC championship should be in the college football playoff. And if NC State is it beats defeats Clemson, and I know it's a big if, but they've come they they're, they're the team that's come closest recent history. If they do it, and then they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, there's a good shot for NC State. Colorado Buffaloes, the UCF Knights, and the South Florida Bulls. I'm going to save for tomorrow, and the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm going to save them all for tomorrow. The American Athletic as well as Colorado. 
because we got to wrap up today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless each and every single one of you. Johnny's happy that he defeated somebody in fantasy. And, Johnny, I shouted you out. I know you had a great time in Detroit. And like I told you, God is great. God is good. And and the perfect storm happened for the Detroit Lions to win that game and give you some love. So awesome, awesome stuff. Johnny's showing love, and uh, I appreciate you, brother. So thank you so much for... So, you know, thank you so much for everything, and, and a big shout-out to Johnny Bananas. With that being said, make sure you listen to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora tomorrow on Thursday, October 11th. We are going to be featuring Papa Joe's Picks, which will continue the college football discussion. We will speak with Katie Kalinske in Coaching with Class, who is at Buffalo and spent seven years under Jim Beheim and is going into her first season in Buffalo as opposed to Syracuse. And then we'll go into the second hour of the show, the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus and by the Pennant Trophy Center in East Syracuse, New York, which is at its new location on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, right right by K9 Campground and K9 Doggy Daycare, who we're also proud to work with. Mike Sofgal will join me for Fantasy Football Week 6 in the Fantasy Football Power Hour tomorrow. God bless. In the meantime, be well. Find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT, and listen in to all these shows and their playbacks in the archive by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, or tune in radio. You can go directly to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com and catch it there. Have a great day. Be good to one another. And always know that God's got your back. I love you. Have a good day.